This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. Massive security breach at Capital One Financial. A hacker with the online handle Erratic is now in police custody after she accessed the personal information of more than 100 million people, 6 million of them Canadian. This is just the latest in a series of troubling data breaches. In 2017, about 150 million Equifax customers had their credit card and social insurance numbers stolen, including thousands of Canadians. Last summer, 20,000 Air Canada customers were affected when the airline's mobile app was breached. And just last month, 2.7 million Desjardins customers learned their data, including social insurance numbers, had been hacked. Privacy breaches have become increasingly commonplace as businesses of all sizes grapple with how to keep customer information secure and what to do when things go wrong. The issue is particularly challenging for small and medium-sized businesses who are forced to navigate a regulatory framework that isn't easy and can be extremely expensive. Enter JustTech, a project launched by Ritesh Kotek, Ayushi Dave, and Ryan Mossif, three University of Ottawa law students who leveraged legal innovation hackathons to create a free online service that walks small businesses through the regulations and makes compliance manageable. I've been proud to serve as an advisor to JustTech, which provides some notable lessons on legal innovation and privacy law. Ritesh, Ayushi, and Ryan join me on the podcast to discuss. Thanks, everyone, for joining me. Uh, This is a a super exciting uh, project, and I've been very pleased to serve on the advisory board. And we're going to get into the the background of the project and, and sort of what it means for both privacy law as well as uh, legal tech innovation. I think it's it really is r- interesting for so many of those reasons. Um, why don't we start, perhaps, Ryan, if you can introduce uh, the team and give us a bit of background on what prompted you to create the service. Thank you so much for having us, Professor Geist. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, and we're so excited to talk to you about our project today. Uh, yeah, so my name is Ryan Mossoff, and I'm joined by uh, my co-founders, Ritesh Kotak and Ayushi Dave. Uh, So yeah, we're three law students in our third year at the University of Ottawa, and we're co-founders of JustTech, which provides legal automation and information for privacy breaches. I'll just make a quick note that I'm also going to be articling at the Office of the Privacy Commissioner of Ontario, and my work with JustTech isn't related to that employment, and they have no involvement with JustTech either. So, sound like a uh, lawyer already. <laughs> <laughs> practice. Practice makes perfect, right? There you go. Uh, oh, sorry, go so, ahead, Ryan. How does JustTech, uh, how did we come about with this idea? Uh, so as law students, we're connected with some amazing communities at the University of Ottawa. And one of those opportunities that was available to us was a hackathon, which is a week-long competition to solve uh, an access to justice issue. So we signed up for the hackathon, a hackathon And we ended up focusing on data security breach reporting for small businesses. So why do we choose small businesses? Well, our families are connected by this common thread, the small business. Ritesh grew up in the food industry. His family has a um, small business that sells different spices. And he actually had his crib in his parents' uh, shop. So he has that connection there. Ayushi's father owns his own sales consultancy in Botswana. And my grandfather 
uh, started a lumber business when we, when I was very young and, and he, he's successful there. So we've seen the struggles and successes of entrepreneurship, which ended up motivating us to direct our skills and energy towards building solutions. And so with that motivation there, we ended up actually winning the hackathon and continue to build out just tech till today. Well, cool. So congratulations on, on, on getting on getting through that. I mean, you've got the, the commonality of the small business side. Uh, tell me a bit about the, the commonality in terms of how common are data security breaches? You know, how, how big of an issue is this that's in need of the kind of solution that, that you've created with Just Tech? I think the issue is a lot more prominent than we think, especially now because businesses have been forced online so suddenly. Um, just to throw out some statistics, approximately one in four companies experience a data breach. But the problem is that a lot of businesses don't even know that they've experienced a data breach. Um, during the pandemic, we've seen more and more businesses and institutions have been hit by cyber attacks. I mean, every other week on the news, we see some hospital or some business that has you know, been has had a ransomware attack. Um, IBM reported that the cost of data breaches has reached an all-time high um, with a cost of 4.2 million per incident. Um, we also did some research and found out that the average legal cost to file a breach report with a lawyer in Canada is around $15,000. And that 41% of small businesses stated that the cost to deal with a breach averaged around $100,000 which is a lot of money if you think about it for a small business, especially during COVID um, when there's such a huge financial burden on everyone as it is. Um, and in fact, there's also been a 28% increase in reporting since the pandemic started. But we do know that cyber crimes and privacy breaches are severely underreported. And so these numbers may actually be a lot higher. Okay. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's clearly a, a real issue and a real issue for businesses of all sizes and uh, can be a heavy lift, especially for small and medium-sized businesses. How complex is the compliance side of this? You talked a, a bit about the cost. Is is this a complicated law to, to comply with? It's obviously a relatively new requirement in Canada, but how challenging is it to comply with the law? To comply with the law, there's, there's three things that you have to do. Uh, first, you have to go uh, report it to the privacy commissioner. Then you have to notify the affected individuals and then keep records of all the breaches. So on the face of it, it seems very simple, but the actual process can be very daunting. So you've just gone through a breach. The last thing you want to worry about is whether or not you're complying with the law um, and all the technicalities that are associated with reporting the breach. Um, all the information is out there, but to the average person, the language of the form, the requirements that they have to comply with, it, it might come across as very complicated to understand. And so in that sense, it can be very complex for the average person. Okay, so it can be complicated. So Ritesh, we've got a real issue and, and clearly a real challenge for small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, tell me how, how the service solves this problem. So the way JustTech tries to solve the problem is we found that currently the system is very reactive. So most people, most businesses don't even think about cybersecurity. They don't think about privacy compliance until they're actually involved knee deep in, in, in a breach. And this is where we found all the predatory um, pricing kicks in. This is where the, um, you know, the, the system starts working against them. And what we wanted to do was really create a starting point for small businesses, a one-stop shop where we can alleviate the stress by them coming to us, um, filling out a questionnaire, 
And as a result of their answers, auto-generating, not auto-submitting, but auto-generating the necessary documents that they need based on um, the, uh, the laws that Ayushi just, um, just spoke about. So what, what does it actually, what, what do you actually get as a result of going through our tool? You, you get a Office of the Privacy Commissioner breach reporting form completed. You get internal notification, client notification. We ended up using the template that was provided by the International Association of Privacy Professionals. You also get a infographic on what are your immediate next steps? Um, how do you actually file these reports? Because as I said, we auto generate, we don't actually auto submit. And the reason for that is you can actually go in and change up the um, change up your answers, uh, make sure that you can have you, you have somebody review it, whether it be a lawyer, privacy professional, um, we really wanted to give the autonomy, the, um, the, the right to right back into the hands of small business owners. Other things that it also generates and the way the tool works is it'll actually actually give you some preliminary policies. We found that, again, if we wanted to move businesses from being reactive into proactive, what do they require? The immediacy, uh, but they also require policies to mitigate against future breaches and safeguarding of their data. They will also require information around cybersecurity and privacy. Hence, we actually developed a course, which is completely free, that users can go through and get basic knowledge about privacy, security, and some of the legislation as well. And the entire tool, I must add, is bilingual. Okay, so it's bilingual. That sounds like there's a, there's a lot there. You talked, uh, you guys talked earlier about the large costs that people would typically face if they look to a lawyer to use this. Um, this tool, though, costs how much? That's a good question. The magic number is zero. Um, it is a it is a free tool, and we were able to um, make it free and keep it free because um, because of the way we actually built it. And I think our team, uh, the complementary skill sets um, on this on this team, Ryan being an excellent legal researcher and writer. Um, Ayushi being excellent with graphic design, I having a previous background in tech and coding, we were literally able to come together and work um, and work with other organizations to develop a product that doesn't matter whether it's used once or a billion times, our costs remain the same. Hence, we were able to offer all these tools and these courses um, to the public for free. Okay. No, and that's really awesome. So it's a free service. It solves a real problem. So far, what kind of response have you received? So the response has been absolutely incredible from the university community, the privacy community, even different levels of government. We actually had the chance to meet with the province's small business and red tape reduction minister as well, because the idea here was supporting small businesses and actually making them that much more competitive. We got to remember small business owners are human beings, they're individuals and going through a breach is is extremely stressful um, to them. So how do we alleviate some of that stress? So it, it, it generated those types of conversations as well. Um, The other response that we've gotten, um, you know, I'll I'll take it back to um, one of our team members. Um, It was from Ryan's grandmother. She's 91 years old. And um, she actually went through, used the tool, used the course, and um, she found it to be extremely helpful and and learned about privacy and cybersecurity. And our thing was, how do we actually get this to the masses? I think we're able to do that. And another, I think another 
point to mention is um, we've actually partnered with different community organization and or organizations and one of them actually services the agriculture industry and we had no idea there's just in the Ottawa region alone there's about a thousand different independent farms a thousand so if you take that and you take put that to scale across our country that's that's a lot of farms and a lot of these are uh, family owned and operated and they found that our agriculture sector is very vulnerable to, to these types of breaches and really wanted to increase the cyber hygiene of, uh, of, of our agriculture sector. So the Just Tech course and tools are actually being recommended to them, um, uh, to, to the sector as well. So the response has just been absolutely overwhelming. Oh, it's amazing. Congratulations to, to see that kind of response. You know, one of the things that, that really interested me about your project uh, was how you've managed to fund it. And you talked about the, the low cost in terms of once it's up and running. But uh, one of the things that makes it really interesting is how you entered into this world of legal hacking and innovation competitions. Um, can you talk a bit about that process and, and how that uh, encourages the kind, some of the kind of innovation that we see here? Yeah, so as Ritesh mentioned, we've had an amazing response from the university, from the privacy community and different levels of government. Um, and as you mentioned, we are funded through fellowships at the university and through competitions. And we think that it's the free model that has elicited a great response from some of the charitable organizations or through these competitions. Like we think that that's part of the process there. But we also recognize the importance of having funds in order to scale up. We want to move into different areas, different jurisdictions. Um, and so we do believe that access to justice doesn't necessarily mean things have to be free. You can promote access to justice with some paid aspects of our website or our tools. Our general philosophy is we try, not, we try our best not to charge during an emergency, um, but we want to open up opportunities to leverage some paid expertise. So that difference between an emergency and expertise is sort of foundational to Just Tech. But there are two sides of this coin, right? So Tool, the tool is free and we've had to make the most out of the funds that we've received. So as Ritesh mentioned, keeping the cost low, it doesn't matter how many people use the tool, one or a thousand, the costs are the same. We've also, um, with some of the videos and some of the um, courses that we have, we've tried to keep the video production costs low and voiceover costs low as well. So really trying to leverage as much as we can to uh, create those tools and create those videos. We've also devoted our own time to researching, writing, coding, designing. So much of what you see on our website is just the uh, blood, sweat, and tears of myself and my, and my co-founders. Um, but we, we agree, our initial uh, funding success, I think signals a clear appetite for this kind of work. So we don't believe we're a one-off. If anything, our experience talking to industry leaders shows that there's a clear need for additional legal automation work to be done in other areas as well. Yeah, no, I want to come back to some of the legal innovation and automation in a moment, but uh, it, it does occur to me that, you know, you were doing this during a pandemic and as my understanding, you're all operating virtually in different locations. You know, how did, how did you find getting a project up of this sort up and running um, at a time when everybody may have been in different places and where all the engagement was taking place virtually? We did do this virtually. It was actually a lot of fun. Um, I was in Ottawa, Ritesh was in Toronto. Ryan was in New York, and somehow we made it work actually very well. Um, I think it worked well for us uh, because we have different expertise, but our goal and work ethic is the same. And so we would set up weekly meetings where we would figure out what we need to do for the week. Uh, everyone would go off on their own, do what they had to, and then come back the next meeting with the work completed. 
And I think what was really what was really good was that because we were so different in our expertise, we weren't stepping on each other's toes. We were able to work independently and then just come together and put it all together as a team. I think what we've also learned from the pandemic is that a lot of things can be done virtually and teams can operate from a further distance than ever before. Um, technology has facilitated this idea of a virtual office. Uh, most of our work was actually done through teams, but there's so many other tools that allow you to interact virtually, whether that be through virtual reality or uh, video phone calls or other platforms that allow for collaboration. Um, essentially, the pandemic has shown us that there's really anything is possible if you if you just leverage what you have uh, to your disposal. Yeah, no, I think you're right. We've all we've all had to to learn some of those kinds of lessons. I think over the last uh, last while for, during the pandemic. Now, from a substantive perspective, you know this this wouldn't be the Law Bites podcast if we didn't get a chance to talk a bit about substance and privacy law. Um, now, it seems to me that you know in some ways you've you've engaged or your tool has engaged or interacted with probably more. Uh, security breach cases than certainly most lawyers have, perhaps even more than some of the privacy commissioners may have. Um, what's your take on whether the current rules work? You've obviously found a, a mechanism to allow companies to comply, but uh, do you think the current rules are you know, achieving the objective? Are there, as we think about privacy reform, are there changes that we should be contemplating? So I think from the rules perspective, um, do we have adequate legislation? Clearly, we've so when we when we just talk just talking to small businesses so yeah we have to remember big businesses corporations they got in-house counsel they got um they got access to funds and they got access to lawyers and expertise but small businesses don't and the rules just and the systems currently just don't make it uh, make it easy there's a, a lack of understanding there's a lack of follow-up and we've actually heard horror stories from small businesses especially when they try to um, work through this work through the system so here's an example um, if an organization is breached and they reach out for support to um, uh, to the different government agencies the second the word breach is used and they put um, information on there around we think we've been hacked the second you use a word um, like that what ends up happening is um, they get a response. Um, we've actually seen these responses. They get a response back saying, um, this is now a law enforcement matter. Um, this is no longer privacy matter because the word hack was used. Um, and, and, and you're told to contact your local law enforcement agencies. We've even seen this at an individual um, level as well with hacked accounts or breach accounts. So as, as an individual, as a small business, um, you're just trying to do one thing, and that is you want to make the necessary reports, um, but you want to get back up and running. You want your systems up and running. You, you're, you're kind of um, already under this immense pressure and stress, the fact that we're all living through this global pandemic, um, and you've been a victim of a cyber crime. And does the process actually help you, or does it put fear in you and kind of re-victimize um, individuals. So we, we, we think that there is a lot of work that can be done to make reporting easier, to make notifications um, easier, to not make it, to not kind of make it, uh, uh, remove the fear um, from, from the process. Now, this isn't a critique of 
uh, of necessarily of everything that has been done to date. We do think there's a lot of resources made available. We all want to do it for, for the right reasons. But when you're a victim of a breach and you're going through um, the, you know, those, those three requirements being the report to the Office of the Privacy Commissioner, the, the, the client notifications and the, the record keeping requirements, as you're going, as you're going through that stuff, um, the last thing you need is um, to receive, um, you know, to receive letters and to receive commentary that actually this is now a criminal matter. It just adds to the fear. It adds to, um, it adds to that process. So our thing is, how do we actually become a once, you know, create a one-stop shop, somewhat of a small business hub, where in where where we can become proactive, not reactive, put more resources and funding into it, but then also create legislation that supports small businesses, not actually um, adds additional stress and fear at a time when they're most vulnerable. Yeah. Okay. And uh, there's certainly laudable objectives, particularly as you suggest in the small business context. You know, it, I'm sure it may strike some as they listen to this that, you know, you you three are are months away uh, from finishing up law school and uh, entering into the profession. And here you've created a tool that in some ways says, listen, the profession we're going into is, is simply very expensive and maybe inaccessible to some. And so we see this kind of legal innovation taking place with automation, with the use of AI. You know, what are what are some of your thoughts as as you prepare to enter into the the legal profession about the these kinds of tools i mean your your tools a good example but it's illustrative potentially i think of of a far broader trend and that is trying to identify certain kinds of legal services that typically been expensive because you know that's just the, those are some of the fees that are associated with providing legal services and saying hey we can automate some of this and if we can do it in a way that makes it far more affordable what do you think that that says more broadly about the future of legal services and the, the increasing use of this kind of automation? So um, I, I don't think we think that we're replacing anyone or replacing jobs. Maybe it's more appropriate to say that we're improving or maybe we're assisting people. We like to use, maybe use more of that language. But at the, at the ground level, it's to provide better access to the current systems and to information, right? So we're trying to place agency in the hands of people without legal experience or knowledge and give them confidence. Right? But we also think that we're making the lives of legal professionals easier. So if a client knocks on your door and they say they have a data security breach and they have all this information available to them and it's already in their hands, that saves time and that saves effort that would be on the legal professional's shoulders to, to go through. Right. So, And we're hoping that some listeners would agree with us on that point at the very least. And the other thing is that more broadly speaking, the reality is that our legal system requires forms, right? It places authority on the written word and creating records. So we don't think that forms are necessarily going anywhere. And in that context, automation has a key role to play. It's going to be important. So it's powerful when done responsibly. We've designed our personal, our website, Just Tech, with privacy and access to justice in mind. So for example, our privacy policy, if you go read it, it should be very easy to read. We hope we've done a good job with that. Same with our terms of service. Um, it should be understandable, not just to legal professionals. We also don't collect personal information, us not necessarily. We're not trying to create these troves of information for the people coming to our website. It's bare bones and we wanna make sure that people coming are protected. So it's all about this sort of responsible innovation and being very careful and mindful about how we move forward. Also, when we were in the hackathon, um, we had thought, well, can we do something with artificial intelligence, machine learning? And there are definitely amazing tools out there that are leveraging that kind of technology, 
but it's also not always, doesn't always need to be the answer. What we've done with automation and uh, with Just Tech can be replicated with the right tech and legal knowledge and a little trial and error um, and doesn't need a, a, um, a vast amount of coding expertise or knowledge of AI. Okay, so we, we can see more of these kinds of uh, services. Perhaps you, you guys will inspire others to enter into future legal hackathons and sort of take their own piece of the access to justice problem through technology. Um, but why don't we wrap with this? What's next for your particular, ser your particular service? Do you see opportunities uh, to expand some of the kinds of things that you're doing? Um, definitely. We've built Just Tech around what's what we call the wheel and spoke analogy. So as we continue to work on the tool, we hope to add more resources and partnerships that essentially address all concerns of small businesses that they may have while they're going through a privacy breach. Meaning we wanna create a network of cybersecurity specialists, lawyers, law enforcement agencies, and really anyone who could provide value to small businesses. So there's always opportunity for other people to jump in. Um, another conversation we've been having as a team is whether we would like to expand horizontally as in providing our current services to more jurisdictions or vertically, meaning um, offering more services within our current jurisdiction. Uh, we've also had interest from a few other parts of the world and we really do value, we really do see value in providing and promoting automation and accessibility everywhere. So as a team, what we've really been doing is taking an interest in these other marketplaces and understanding their needs, connecting and building relationships with people who live within those countries and truly understanding what is required to create something that will address the pertinent issues in that region. So at this stage we're exploring, but uh, we do definitely see a very bright future for legal automation and for Just Tech as well. Well, that's awesome. I mean, obviously some, some exciting opportunities down the road, but some of, I have to say, some really fantastic accomplishments to date. So congratulations to all three of you for, for both for the wins and the hackathons for developing this in the midst of a, a global pandemic and having such a successful launch so far. And uh, I know that I'm excited and I'm sure many people are as well uh, to see what comes next. Thank you all for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback, write to lawbites at pobox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LawBitesPod or Michael Geist at MGeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at michaelgeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Law Bites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron LeBoy. Music by the LeBoy brothers, Gerardo and Jose LeBron LeBoy. Credit information for the clips featured in this podcast can be found in the show notes for this episode at michaelgeist.ca. I'm Michael Geist. Thanks for listening and see you next time.